Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Skipper's View podcast. My name is Dean uh, and we have uh, Aaron Carlson with us. Uh, she is the author of No Crying in Baseball for our YouTube watchers, which there aren't too many of you. Most of you guys listen. I uh, have the book right here. This book will be given away tomorrow on our Twitter. So make sure to check it out. Um, some other books she wrote, Queen Merrill, uh, the iconic roles, heroic deeds and legendary life of Meryl Streep. I just finished uh, Only Murders in the Building season three. Uh, with my girlfriend. I don't know if you watch if you watch that. I'm behind. Um, I'm behind. I'm okay, woefully yeah, behind. I but I won't say anything. I won't say don't. anything. It started off slow and then I I it it, it sped up. Uh and I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh and then you also wrote I'll have what she's having, how Nora Ephron's is it Ephron? Okay. Uh three iconic films of say <laughs> romantic comedy about when Harry met Sally, You've Got Mail, and uh Sleepless in Seattle. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be yeah. here. So um, I was explaining the story where we interviewed Joe Poznanski, for those of you who listened to that interview. And at the end of each interview, we asked kind of the authors wh- who give us an author that you're reading about, who we should re- reach out to, uh, who's reading Aaron's book. So we, he turned us on to that. Uh, and we, we set, up the, set up the interview. So I, it's totally, it's different. It's more of like a, a Hollywood book. It's obviously the movie's about baseball, um, not Major League Baseball, but the Women's League. Uh, but it's really like the backstory of the making of the movie, which I thought was really cool. And I, and I rewatched the movie uh, and I was, la- I left, a, I, I can't remember the last time. So I probably saw it like 15 years ago. I left way more than I thought I would uh, during it. I thought, I thought it was going to be like, oh, it's like the nineties. And although I like nineties movies, I, I was laughing a lot. So what, what motivated you to, to go into this book? Cause you, obviously your, your, your rom-coms and everything. Um, this wouldn't really be a rom-com. I mean, well, two things, because, um, you know, my first book was about the Nora Ephron rom-com trilogy that has nothing to do with sports. (laughs) It has nothing to do with baseball. But two years ago, I just had my first child. I was sitting around, you know, on maternity leave, watching a lot of TV. And two things inspired me to, you know, pitch this book to my agent and then my editor at Hachette. I watched uh, the Field of Dreams. There was a Field of Dreams game, you know, at the original location. Um, I think it was White Sox versus. I forget who they played, but it was like Tim Anderson hit a walk off home run into the into the cornfields and everyone went crazy. Yes. Costner came out of the corn and he was milking it. He was Ray Kinsella. Like Mm -hmm. he was just, you know, soaking up the nostalgia. And I started crying. (laughs) <laughs> and that hit, I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is giving me all the feels. Um, around that same time, I was like scrolling, scrolling, you know, the cable channels. I still have cable and a league of their own was on because it's always on TV. Right now it's somewhere on TV. Netflix. And, it was on Netflix too. <laughs> and Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's, all... coming off, it's coming off in like three weeks. So watch it there. If you... Yes. Um, great plug. Um, <laughs> so I got sucked in and I hadn't seen the movie in like 20 years. I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> but it's just struck me as just it. A, it's a really, really, really good movie. But it struck me as a movie that would be fun to write about the making of. Because it had a lot of parts that were just irresistible, irresistible to me. Um, Tom Hanks was at a crossroads in his career. He wasn't the Tom Hanks of Forrest Gump, you know, in Saving Private Ryan. He hadn't had his Oscars yet. So this role was like, you know, a second chance for him after he'd had a lot of flops. Um, you have Gina Davis, who to me is delivering the performance of her career having no baseball experience whatsoever, but playing the greatest player in the league. Um, and then you had like Lori Petty in that underrated performance of Kit Keller. And then you had Penny Marshall, the director, who was a character, <laughs> just a real tomboy and like personality. And, oh, she was really hard on a lot of people, including Madonna. You know, they, there was some drama on the set. You know, and Madonna, Madonna at her peak. Yeah. I mean, I had oh no my idea God. Madonna was in this movie. So I, I, I watched, the, like I told you, I watched the movie first and then I read the book and I was like, why is that person so familiar? And I just, just like completely, I, I'd forgotten really who was, I remember Tom Hanks was in it, but I was like, and I looked, I looked on Wikipedia real quick. I'm like, that's Madonna. 
totally didn't realize. And also, I mean, it looks like her when, when I realized it was her, but it it's she wasn't in that many movies though, right? She had done a few. She did a movie called Desperately Seeking Susan in 1985, where she played kind of a version of herself, like a downtown Manhattan cool girl, but she wasn't known for her acting. She was the biggest pop star in the world. She was yeah, awesome. This was, this was she was our Taylor Swift. Her blonde yeah. ambition was like Taylor's heiress to her. It was insane. <laughs> so you had this big star. Um, she wanted to become a movie star above everything else, but she wasn't like, people were wary of casting her to be the lead in any movie because her acting skills were just not, how do I say this in a nice way, developed. <laughs> so she had her eye on Kit Keller. That's Dottie Henson's younger sister, Georgina Davis's younger sister. Mm-hmm. But Penny Marshall was like, look, I don't think you can carry a movie right now. So just join the ensemble. But she wanted to figure out if Madonna was trainable first. Penny didn't care how famous you were. Like if you couldn't play ball or have that athletic skill, then you were not hired. <laughs> <laughs> so that ruled out a lot of actresses, like a lot. And everybody wanted to be in this movie because it was such an unusual part for a woman. So she had Madonna train with Joe Russo, you know, the coach. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, she's a compact girl. She has a good stance. She's trainable. And Penny was like, great. <laughs> so Madonna was in the movie, you know, just based on that audition or so with Joe Russo. Because they had like tryouts and everything, right? For this, like it was a, it was yeah. a pretty deep process to, to get casted it um, was it was and gina davis um she was six foot tall like i mean she looks like an athlete but she wasn't an athlete but she can do it yeah right yeah. and she her agent t- told her they warned her that penny marshall would ask her to throw and they said don't tell her you're not going to do that you just won an oscar for thelma and louise just tell her you're not going to do that so penny was very manipulative so she's like Gina, Gina was in her backyard in LA. She's like, throw the ball, throw the ball. And Gina was like, no, no, no. My agent told me not to, but she got suckered into, into doing that. And um, Penny was tough to satisfy. And Penny was like, you know, this is pretty good. <laughs> so let's, let's jump into that. I was going to ask you about ba- your baseball background. Well, I want to save that. I just want to talk about Penny Marshall. Like what? Yeah. How, she passed away in 2018, I believe, correct? Um, so yes. you wouldn't have- you wouldn't have gotten a chance to really interview for her this, but like how much research into her, which I mean, I've read the book, so I know how, like, but for our listeners, did you do into her and her life and her, her upbringing that then kind of influences the movie? Cause like you kind of lead into it right away in the beginning, like her childhood influences her, why she wanted to make this movie in the first place. Yeah. Well, um, I did like 120 interviews, which is way too many. Just <laughs> yeah, your acknowledgments page is hilarious it's just name after name, after name after i know name. i'm like a name dropper um oh my gosh the acknowledgments page is like the first thing people read and i was like no don't read that it's, it's so corny um <laughs> but um but yeah so i did like all these interviews and everyone unsolicited would do the penny marshall accent they would be they would start talking like penny so the more I got to know about her, the more fascinating she became t- to me. So the first part is like a mini biography of Penny. And she mm-hmm. grew up in the Bronx and in the 50s. And she was like a self-described tomboy. She loved to hang out with the boys, you know, in the park and play ball. And she could outrun them, which they hated. And she loved and she just loved that camaraderie and just getting dirty and being one of the boys. Her mother did not approve of that. She's like, Penny, you can't outrun the boys. Like, basically, who's going to marry you mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you're better than them, um, if you're not a quote-unquote lady? <laughs> so Penny went into dancing, then acting, and then took a different route. So when this, you know, she was Laverne and Laverne and Shirley, which yep. our parents watched, you know, yes. and she got to do some <laughs> physical comedy in that. Then after that, she became a big-time director. We all know Big. You know, she directed Tom Hanks in Big, and yep. she was the first woman to make $100 million at the box office. So when the opportunity to direct A League of Their Own came, you know, came to her, she was like, oh, my God, 
this is my chance to like, you know, basically be a professional athlete <laughs> or direct actresses playing yeah, professional, professional women athletes. athletes. Yeah. So it was a way for her to live vicariously mm-hmm. doing that. And, you know, they filmed at some vintage ballparks in Indiana and Penny, she wore basketball shorts and baseball caps, you know, and a new pair of sneakers like every day. She was really that sporty and she had an incredible arsenal of sports merchandise that people like Bob Costas speak about in hushed tones. Like people (laughs) would show up to her home in the Hollywood Hills and be like, can I, can I see your signed Jordan jersey from his last Bulls game? (laughs) And it was like, and she donated a lot of that stuff, but it was incredible while it lasted for sure. So, so, so who, uh, so obviously you can interview Penny and be, we just talked about your acknowledgements page with it, which is like two pages, three pages long of names. Who <laughs> of the actors, actresses, producers, like you interviewed like everybody. Um, who would you say gave you kind of like the best insight into the film? Oh, um, always the crew members. The, um, the actors can be so diplomatic, especially <laughs> Gina, because she runs the, that Institute, you know, and she doesn't want to say anything um, bad. bad about her co-star. <laughs> Controversial, fun, yeah. My favorite interview, um, I had to, Rosie O'Donnell was great. Um, she's just really honest and funny. But Lori Petty was amazing. Like, Lori Petty was really, <laughs> really candid. And I, was, I was into her. She's a little like, off. is she a little off the grid now? She's, um, she was off the grid for years because she had um, played Ke- Keanu's love interest in Point Break. And mm-hmm. then from that, she got a league of their own. And then she had like a smaller part in Free Willy. She fell off the grid after that. Um, the early 90s were her kind of heyday as a young actress. Mm-hmm. And um, she after that, she did sort of bit roles. But then she's kind of like having a renaissance. Um, she had a really big role in Orange is the New Black. And then she had this great role in Station Eleven, which is like a pandemic series. Maybe okay. you've seen it. It's fantastic. Uh, no. But My- yeah, people still yell at her. Like she'll be walking down the street in LA and people will be like, Mule! And she'll like <laughs> respond back, Meg! So she's really embraced her role in yeah. this film. And w- w- Rosie O'Donnell then, what is she... How'd you, how'd you connect? Like, how'd you connect? That, that's kind of my question. Cause this is like totally different than, than baseball. Like, how do you connect with all these people? Like how, how long, how long was the process of doing this? Oh, funny. You ask for all of my books, my, cause I interview way too many people. You only need to interview like 30 people, but I always overdo it. Um, just because my anxiety over getting the facts wrong, I was like, well, I need this to back it up. And um, it all works out for me in the end because I try to make my books as factually accurate as possible. But so I start from, I guess, the very bottom and triangulate upwards. So I'll start with like the production assistants um, and then you get to Gina Davis because a Mm -hmm. lot of the big stars, they're like, okay, what what is she asking me to do? (laughs) And they're they, not going to really give you the true backstory, like the back, right, the, right. the juicy story. <laughs> right. So you have to like kind of work your way up and then just let people get to know you and gain, gain the trust. And then, you know, I'm not doing a gotcha expose. Yeah, this is no. a beloved film and a tribute to the film. But yeah, um, and- in this age, I think a lot of celebrities are, um, I think, rightfully... Uh, maybe cautious. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's all, yeah. it's always an eight month process. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you break up, you break up the book into nine chapters for, for nine innings. Um, which I, I always ask this too, like which chapter was your favorite to write and research? Chapter six. Um, okay. that's the Chicago chapter. Uh, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. You were saying so, that, yeah. um, it was always a fantastic treat to drive into the city especially in like the early 90s um i'm a big bulls fan so that was the bulls dynasty yep um so chicago was like a party 
It was electric. That's where all this took. That's that's where all this really took place in the forties. Was the the Midwest kind of area correct? Right. And so, fifty years later, they're they're um, filming. You know, in the areas where the All American Girls Professional Baseball League played mm-hmm. in the heyday of World War II. So, um, you know, I grew up in those areas. So it was really fun to write about, um, like Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> coming into like, like the small coming, uh, right. yeah. coming into small town America or um you know going to having dinner at the Rosebud in Chicago and it I tried to pour as much nostalgia in the book as possible because Chicago is yeah. having a little bit of of a moment um people love the bear and Chicago is this <laughs> secret it's like it, you know it doesn't want to let its hair down because if it does everyone might move like the best food in America, um, like great people and great sports, uh, affordable-ish living. <laughs> it just has so much. Um, it was just a fat, that's just, my, and the chapter is called Chicago. It's just, um, for me, it was just like nostalgia trip. Yeah. Yeah. I try, I try not to like spoil too much. That was one one issue I was having with Joe's, Joe's when I was interviewing Joe was I started bringing up like moments from the and it was ranked fifty moments so I was like oh this and he's like oh wait 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 and I had to like cut stuff out so I I, I want to be careful but again like you watch the movie um it's just I don't know it's what well, the expectations of when this movie came out it made a hundred million dollars over a hundred million dollars right one hundred fourteen was that what it was uh and how like how are the expectations verse of the reality would happen like this comes out it's it's this movie centered around centered around female athletes it there wasn't much after that like the next time we see this is the amazon reboot right yeah like, 25 years later so how, like what, what do you think happened like this comes out it's the it's the biggest baseball movie which i didn't know until reading this like this is the biggest baseball movie money wise and everything but then like you don't see anything after i forget what came out after it um, it was like the Sandlot. The Sandlot, um, yeah. Angels in the Outfield. Um, you know, we all saw those movies yeah. um, in the in the early nineties. But um, yeah, it just blows my mind. Like, and then when I decided to, to write this book, I was like, okay, so this is in the baseball movie genre. This is number one. <laughs> it yeah. made more money than Field of Dreams and Bull Durham and The Natural and all of those iconic baseball movies. And I'm like. Okay, why is that? Um, it appealed to everyone, I think. Yes, like when I was, I saw the movie when I was 10 with my friends and we loved it. And I was not athletic growing up. Um, a lot of my friends were in school. So they finally saw, you know, characters who represented what they really were in real, you know, mm-hmm. in real life. And they were funny and mouthy and opinionated and annoying and all the things that little girls, you know, Mm -hmm. weren't really seen um, on the big screen as, but we're in real life. So I just loved the movie. um, And the studio had no idea it would appeal to young girls. Like their marketing was was geared toward adults. Their posters (laughs) had like um, women's legs from the waist down. They're like, yeah, we're going to get men to see this movie. <laughs> men are going to see this movie and like this movie anyway because yeah. of one person, and that is Tom Hanks. Yeah, like Tom Hanks is the everyman who yeah. wouldn't want to see this movie with Ch- Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan. So it had a lot going for it. Had a great script. The script was funny as hell. The script yeah. was written by um, some New York boys, Babalu Mandel and Lola Gans. And they just brought that kind of um, um, cheekiness to it, the wit, um, the slapstick humor, and they just made it incredibly entertaining. So it was a funny script. And the performances were so great, especially from Hanks and Davis. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's some of their best work ever. Did this propel Hanks's career? I, I mean, it did, right? It propelled Hanks's career that led him into, like you said, Saving Private Ryan. And, um, yeah. Uh, one of my like a Forrest Gump because that was Forrest Gump was what two years later. Yeah, and this yeah. this movie was responsible for his like unprecedented uh, unprecedented second act because nobody wanted to hire him to play Jimmy Dugan. Nobody was jumping up and down. He had he 
he had to beg Penny for the role. He's like, let me have it. She's like, no, she you're, know, yeah, so no, you're so too cute. One, yeah, that was one question I had. Like, well, that dynamic, like the Penny Marshall, Tom Hanks dynamic, like, because she, she had him in big, correct? So how, how did that work on, on set? Those are the two ones I, like, I wrote down. She's like, Tom Hanks and Madonna on set, which you've kind of talked about. But like, that, that, like, how did everyone speak about them particularly? So Hanks was um, willing to disappear in the role. He didn't want to be the big star because he had just had like five flops. One of them was Bonfire of the Vanities, which was like a terrible bomb. <laughs> so he went away for a while, like a year and a half to regroup, came back. He's like, I don't want to be the main guy. I want to be the comic relief. And Penny was like, Nah, you're too cute. The girls are going to think you're cute. And he's like, no, I'll do it. I want to gain weight. So she had him gain weight. Yeah. And he became this disgusting <laughs> slob. Off screen, he was Mr. Family Man. He's like, yeah, he brought his wife Rita to the set Rita and like Colin yeah. Hanks and his baby Chet Hanks. Yeah. But he was Mr. Family Dude. But once the camera started rolling... He would he do things like, you know, when he spits, you know, on Ira Lowenstein or yeah. David Strathairn's shoe, yeah. that was improv. <laughs> so Strathairn had to sit there and like not bust up laughing. The, the piece, the, the yeah. piece scene just. <laughs> so the piece scene was, um, and this is how Penny and Tom worked together. She liked actors who could improvise on the spot. Mm -hmm. And just like she did on Laverne and Shirley. So Tom, who started out on TV in B Bosom Buddies, which is an insane show. Google it. Never seen it yet. <laughs> so he, they just worked really well together for that. So that pee scene where Jimmy Dugan walks into the locker room and he's drunk, sloppy drunk. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, um, Penny had timed his pee. You know, um, no, 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 wait, no, 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 wait. I'm going to backtrack. Um, she, um, she didn't tell him how long he would be peeing. So she had like a, a little, ho a garden hose that she was, um, you know, um, putting into a bucket. You know, she was pouring mm -hmm. the water into the bucket and yeah. that was supposed to stimulate the pee yeah. so that he could then, and she was off camera doing that. And so um, she just wanted to see how long he could he Here could go. go, and it was like fifty six <laughs> seconds, and he just played off that. And that scene, he was also translating Penny for the women. <laughs> He'd be like faster, louder, funnier, because her <laughs> accent was so thick that no one could no one could understand her, and the the meg her megaphone amplified the mumble, but no one could understand her. She was just but ripping he, a city but, the entire he, time. Right. But he could. <laughs> For some reason, he could understand her. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so do you think, and it's tough because like the Amazon reboot, I guess, is the modern interpretation of it. But do you think this movie would be made? Could it be made again today? Like, how would it be different today than in 1992? Because a lot, of, like, and you talk about it, a lot of, there's like undertones to certain subjects and certain topics that they, they, you can, if you're looking for it, you can see it. But I feel like today they would have been a little more open about it. Oh, um, for sure. Um, the like the one way that that it would be different if this movie were made today, the truth of the league would be in there, and the truth mm -hmm. was um, a very large number of the original players of the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. Say that five times fast. <laughs> were lesbians and um you weren't allowed to be gay in the league or really in mm -hmm. america at that time mm -hmm. so there was a play it don't say it policy so um all of that um uh, their sexuality um was hidden within the league because they could be fired or put in jail or a number of things um so there was a very very real risk of mm -hmm. outing yourself being outed but what so um, the, the Amazon reboot really captures that, um, that sense of belonging that the original players found in those like love affairs and relationships and um, the dangers of exposing your sexuality to the public. Penny kept that all 
out of the movie. <laughs> it was just like, there's the subtext. There's, uh, yeah, wrote, there's like hints, there's like hints to it. Right. And, 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 but it's not, it's not in your face at all. Right. Um, and I think, um, I think that was um, due to Penny's fears that acknowledging the queer history would damage the film's prospects at the box office and mm-hmm. make the film niche instead of broadly appealing. So um, I think that was her concern there. It, it's, that's not an excuse. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, you know, Marla Hooch, I call them by their player names. The actress's name noticed, is Megan yeah. Cavanaugh. <laughs> Marla, who told me, you know, Penny was, she was not gay. She was playing in a boys club. So I think that she didn't, um, she didn't under, fully understand the significance that, of, um, you know, staying true to. To the actual you, history. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But then again, yeah. she captured this love of baseball and yeah. any good baseball movie, number one, has to have that pure yeah. love of baseball. And the movie, yeah, baseball, yeah. the movie does that. The, yeah. the TV series itself, yeah, there's the joy of baseball there, but um, the storylines are heavier. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. The humor is a I, little I, more cutting edge. I, I, I jumped, I watched like the first episode. I jumped into it a little. Um, I was like, I, I was like, I have to, I have to see what, like, what the difference, what the difference is. And that was only one that my dad said, he's like, you got to watch, you're going to have to watch the, the whole Amazon show too. And I was like, I can't read a book, watch the movie and watch the Amazon show in like a week. I'll, <laughs> I'll see, I'll see what I can do. Um, I, I know it's the, the good thing is, the, the, <laughs> I know I, I feel that the movie and the TV show are so different. It, yeah. That it was, they're it, different things. It was, it was still good, but it was, it was not, it's, it was not the same. I guess I thought it'd be a little more the same vibe, like, same vibe it's not that it wasn't the same vibe it wasn't it wasn't in the same world like i say world because i'm like a lord of the rings star wars guy like it didn't feel like in the world of a league their own uh, that's the best comparison i can make yeah um, totally different worlds exactly yeah. and, and characters too like you had rosie come back for a cameo she yeah. was playing an entirely different character too yeah exactly yeah. so it just felt different now did you ever speak to um any i know there was i think it's mabel blair i don't know if, if that's how you pronounce her name mabel blair did you speak to any of the the people who would have been actually associated with the league for the book, like what was like, what was that process? So. Yeah, the um, I didn't get to speak with Mabel, which I had written the book, you know, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I should have talked to her. Like this is ridiculous because she yeah. was on these panels. She's like, she came out, you yeah. know, at like a hundred. Re- that was recent too, right? Re- yeah. So yeah, I like was like, like ten years, or something. Well. You know, my biggest regret with this book, but I did get to speak with uh, her name is Mary Moore and she's incredibly spry and funny and has this incredible memory. And she's in, you know, the kind of very sentimental finale of the film mm-hmm, at Cooperstown. Um, this used to be my playground is playing over um, the casual game um, played yeah. by the, you know, original players of the league. Yeah. Mary Moore was one of those players. And um, they didn't know that they were being filmed in that sequence. Oh, you're you talking, you talking about at the at the field at, at Doubleday Field at yeah, Cooperstown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. They didn't know they were being filmed, and so Penny just, you know, she just like put on the camera and started pointing at them. And she's like, "Who can slide?" <laughs> and Mary was like, "I can." So yeah, Mary is in the movie sliding, and she has this great. Uh, anecdote of Penny arriving to film those scenes at Cooperstown via helicopter. The helicopter landed on on Doubleday (laughs) and she walked out of it um, eating a slice of pizza. (laughs) So that opens that chapter because how could it not? (laughs) This this is very much like a Penny Marshall Penny Marshall I don't want to say biography, it's not a biography but that's, I mean, I could tell just that was your favorite. You said Chicago was your favorite part, but Penny Marshall's your favorite quote unquote character from all of this, I would assume. I, I can't even believe she's real. Um, that somebody was actually like this, that. Like that. <laughs> it's amazing. And like Madonna was, every time someone told a story about Madonna, like my jaw silently dropped to the floor. Yeah. 
Did you, try the, get, did you try to get her? Oh, oh yes. I tried every <laughs> avenue that I could think of. I went through a friend at the New York Times, um, who's their pop music editor and loves Madonna. And Madonna wants to do, she only wants to participate if she's controlling it. She would probably ask to read the entire book before, you know, before it's published. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. You know, she would, but, but this is also like even the negative parts about her in the book are actually a positive for her because they yeah. kind of burnish her brand as the yeah. provocateur, like Taylor Swift of her day. So I hope she likes it if she reads it. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully she does. Oh, um, yeah. So quick, like just like baseball, like baseball question. So like, what's your, cause we are a baseball podcast. Um, what's your baseball background? Like who'd you root for growing up? All that. So, like, I grew up in Batavia, Illinois, and we were all Chicago Cubs fans. My father was the biggest Cubs fan of them all. Uh, he's an incredible, he's a salesman by day. <laughs> but um, just an athlete through and through. Um, an incredible baseball player. Um, so incredible that um, he grew up with the name Jerome. That's his original given name, but his nickname is Babe. Um, just a really <laughs> large, sk- large shoes to fill. <laughs> large, exactly. Like Emily Blunt in the Devil Wears Prada. Um, so um, my younger brother is an incredible athlete and I'm the oldest girl. So if they wanted to go play catch or whatever, I would be like, well, I can sit at, you know, I can sit on the couch or I can go to the park. So I would just like, my dad would be like, okay, I'm going to throw to Tim. And then he felt bad because I was just sitting there. So I, I'm a good hitter. Like I, I'm a good hitter. Um, I better cannot. Than, better than Gina Davis. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm afraid of the, I, I cannot feel where I, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's just completely embarrassing. And I went to the arts <laughs> like I, I just gravitated toward toward that, but I loved going to games. Um, you know, growing up, I loved going to Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. I loved that mythology of baseball. Uh, I loved the ballpark nachos. I loved the yep. smell of my father's beer, not the actual taste, <laughs> but I loved the smell. I loved how happy everyone was, and then I also loved baseball movies. So anything that Kevin Costner is in, I'm obsessed with. <laughs> like like Ray Kinsella in Field of Dreams. Um, you know. So, do you, well, so are you gonna do a, are you gonna do a Kevin Costner book? So yeah. So so are you gonna I stick know, with sports? I would never. You, like- I would never. Be, he's the Madonna of of <laughs> actors. He'd have to control it. You know. Oh I, really? See, have, I don't know any of this. I don't he know. He should any. write. <laughs> he, sh- he should write his own memoir for sure. So so okay. It. So what's what's next? For you, like, are you going to stay in the sports movie world at all? I think because of this book, and I love this. This is so unexpected for me, but I think I'll be doing sports podcasts forever. <laughs> but I, but I love that. Um, I think that makes my dad so happy too. Um, my next book is a departure from sports. Uh, okay. Fingers crossed. Um. I'm looking at doing something um, by, I'll just give you a one word hint, corset. Okay. So I, I told that to somebody, they're like, horses? I was like, corset, you know, like what Kate Winslet wore in Titanic, but that's yeah. not the movie I'm going to write about, but it's a period piece. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, this is going to drive me nuts. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. You're going to have to tell me off. After I, I it's hang gonna, up. It's going to. I'm already like, going to try, try to figure it out. Yeah, that's that's going to drive me nuts. Um, wait, let me think for a second. No, I can't. I, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. You have to, you have to tell me after. Okay, quick, just like modern. Uh, I saw on, I saw it on your Substack. Sub um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Is it a conspiracy conspiracy theory with the NFL or no? My girlfriend is saying yes. So I, I'm not. She's more into the the media world than i am so I was, i'm right now i'm going with her but you seem like the expert so i'm gonna go with whatever you say it's real okay i think it's absolutely real 
But it's weird because Taylor normally dates like British actors and yeah, performers. Like little guys, like little like little little I, squids. I, right. <laughs> I, I, ca- I said they had barista energy. You know, like you could see them yeah. pouring coffee in the, yeah. you know, pour over yeah, coffee. All the, all the tattoos all over their arms and oh, they're yeah. all like the same. They're all the same people. So much dark energy there. But um, I think it's real because he pursued her. He showed up at her. I was like her game. I mean, her era's show yeah. in Kansas City or whatever. And she wouldn't meet him. And he then then he talked about it on his podcast and then yeah, like, manifested that meeting. And I think he just I think he just charmed her. I mean, how could you not want to go on a date with that? He's confident. He's fun. Good looking guy. He's yeah. Great good athlete. looking. Uh, he's funny. You know, it's not going to last because she likes the barista <laughs> looking guys. You know what I mean? Um, Do, but you it's don't, not going to last, it, but, but he's going to, he's going to, um, he's going to be beloved by Swifties. Well, uh, I was reading your article. It was like his, his Instagram following. Are you a Swiftie by the way? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I his wasn't Instagram- a Swiftie. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I, I never listened to her country albums and I wasn't a Swiftie until her album, 1989. Oh, okay. Which, was that, that was when she became a pop artist from country. Okay. All right. Yes. So you weren't, you weren't country Taylor. You're, you're more pop Taylor. Absolutely. And I'm very happy for her and Travis, even though it's never going to work out. <laughs> I thought that I'm happy for them. It's just like, one, I was going off of what Deirdre was telling me. And then two, like I, I, was, I, watched, I was watching the game because I watch football. Uh, and then it's like the first commercial is Taylor Swift's movie. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. The conspiracy isn't—it's not like a—it's not like a collusion between the NFL and Taylor and Travis. That's what it's, I was it's, thinking. It's the NFL being smart and, and taking advantage of it. Yes, and that—that's yeah. good business. You know, that's, like all right. that's I—I I can I can go with that. Then. And it's going to be great business for Travis. Like he's I mean, going to get more. You know, his, his jersey sales. His jersey sales. He's like top five now. Four hundred percent. That's insane. I yeah. know. I'm not going like to get said, one. But his Instagram. Yeah, you had a whole your your little like bullet your little bullet list of all the positives from it was hilarious. It was like seven hundred thousand Instagram followers, like up in like what like a week. That's crazy. Yeah, and like her, just like just drawing attention from the actual game. Like I couldn't tell you who won. I just know that she was there with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and like Hugh Jackman somewhere in that. Yeah, Hugh Jackman Jackman was like the one out of them that I actually, because I'm like a superhero movie guy. I'm like, oh my gosh, Hugh Jackman. And and him, I know him and his wife. That's the only like um, Hollywood news I know is that him and his wife just got divorced or like separated. Um, But I see like Hugh Jackman walking in. They're not talking about him. I'm like, oh my God, Wolverine. And every every time they're cutting to her, I'm like looking for I'm like looking for him. Uh, and they were just they were just keeping keeping it on her. So it's so um, weird. Like she makes so Wolverine weird. like feel irrelevant. That's yeah. how big there she was, is. There was some question I was getting is like, what's what is bigger, Taylor Swift or the NFL? And like right now, it's, it's Taylor Swift because she's owning the NFL. So I think That's the answer has to be crazy to me because the NFL yeah. is like huge and you can't ignore it. No, like. and it's, she's the, it's the number one trending <laughs> thing every every week. So I, I, one of my one of my friends' girlfriends, she was she just happened to be going to the the game this past Sunday night at MetLife. Like this girl's never, I don't think, oh, watched football in her on. life. And I, and I see her, I'm like, oh, like you you following Taylor Swift to all the games? She's like, actually, I'm going tomorrow night. But like we bought the tickets a while ago. I was like, yeah, okay. This girl like <laughs> yeah. tracks Taylor's location. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so no crying in baseball. Um, where can where can our listeners? find you like what's the best what's the best platform um you can find me on instagram at aaron lee carlson um l-e-i-g-h uh, mm-hmm. and then you can follow my sub stack it's called you've got mail the greatest film of all time just <laughs> putting it out there <laughs> all right so i'm gonna and i'll, I'll put all this in the description of the youtube video and the podcast and then tomorrow for those of you watching uh we'll be giving away a copy of no crying in baseball the inside story a league of their own big stars dugout drama and home run for hollywood all that is true it's a great book it was funny it's the first book it's totally i'm a history guy my master's in american history and i'm a baseball guy so i've never honestly i don't even read like fiction other than lord of the rings so this is nonfiction, obviously, but it's totally different genre than anything anything I've ever read. But I loved it. 
Uh, and I'm going to pass along to my girlfriend. My sister read it. I'm going to pass along to my girlfriend next because she's big into just reality TV. And this is a reality story about the movie. So Absolutely. Great. Yeah, there's yeah. some overlap there, especially with the Madonna sections. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, thank it's, you. It's great. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Hello to those who just finished uh, listening to the Aaron Carlson interview. Um, this is still episode 69, uh, but now this is me and Brett talking, talking baseball playoffs. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to just talk about the wildcard games that just took place. They were all clean sweeps. Um, Brett, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, were, you had a lot going on today, so you didn't get to, to meet Aaron, but the interview was a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm interested. To see, it's going to be interesting. You're going to be listening to. It's you're you're going to be in this episode still. You'll be listening to me me prior. So, yeah. No, I'm excited to listen to it. Um, apologies, couldn't be there. It's crazy. La- between last week and this week, I did. You you saw the photo. Um, I had to travel for work a little bit, but I got to go see two new stadiums. So I yeah, got I got so, out to the Ray Stadium, which was so. Why don't, we, awesome. why don't we dive into that first? Because you were at Game One of the Tampa the Tampa series. Yeah. Uh, so I flew down for work and, uh, decided to buy a ticket last minute. It was an afternoon game. Uh, when I got down there, I like, I, I showed up late to the game. I had no like rush. Cause like I had no care in the world for who won. Like obviously I was rooting for the raised AL East, but, um, stadium, not great. <laughs> the, what, how, uh, empty, how empty was it? Cause that was it, what everyone was talking about. It was so empty that like they, they, uh, so this so is empty. Sorry, I <laughs> I w- walked around. Obviously, I took some photos from all different areas, and then I finally found like a nice like middle level. Like I was like on the bottom. Set. When you walk in, it's all the same floor. You can go up to the upper deck, and then when you walk down from the like main like the main level, you like walk down into the seats that are lower, and you. I found this nice spot in the middle and I was sitting next to this couple and this guy, I could tell he was a real Rays fan. Obviously like you and I, at this point, we know pretty much every player, not not every player, but we know what, what would you say? 90% of the players in the MLB, maybe 85% of them. Uh, yeah, you know, that, you, well, yeah, you know, you know a lot more prospects than I do, but yes. Well, well no, I was talking about just like major league rosters. Like I'm t- pretty yeah. much, I think we'd be pretty good on every position across every team. And then maybe we'd really mess up with the relievers that, but that like, that's a lot hard to keep up with relievers. Um, so moral of the story though, this guy knew what he's talking about and I could tell he was a fan. I started, I chatted him up and I was like, are you a big race fan? And he's like, yeah, we're here all the time. And I was like, is this normal? Like, or is this because like, I know that Rays fan, like you hear it in the media that the Rays are having trouble filling up their stadium and like, you'll see photos, whatever the, I asked him, I was like, I know it's a 3 PM playoff game. And I, it's now at like four 30 at this point, like the, the stadium is getting as full as it's going to be. Um, and he's like, yeah, this is actually crowded for a normal day. And he's like, they normally don't open up the top deck. That's so sad. Yeah, and the thing is, like the stadium that they're making, um, it's still in it's St. Petersburg, correct? Like, is where you went? Correct. Correct. I think yeah. it's just so it's like across it's, the street. It's not in the Tampa, the actual Tampa, the city of Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, I tweeted it at some. There was some account. I think it was Codify that tweeted out about like the attendance, and I was like, oh, it's a three p.m. game, and then it was all these people. It actually, went got like a hundred thousand views that tweet. Uh, but it was just all these people like giving me examples of other games that other playoff games that were like at two o'clock and were sold out. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That was, that was a bad take on my part. Um, yeah, I, I we'll go into it real quick. So I, let's just do Tampa and Texas first. Uh, I mean, every team that lost got killed because they all got swept. And yeah. there really wasn't, there wasn't too much. These games weren't, Outside the Phillies game, the Phillies game was fun. The Diamondback series was actually interesting too. The Twins and Blue Jays, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't like whoa at, at, at either of those games. And the Rangers Rays, I wasn't really too interested in either. I think I went. Oh, Sounds three, so bad. I, but. I was three of four of picking incorrectly of the teams I thought would win these series. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that took the Rays. I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that took 
you know, the Blue Jays over the Twins, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who took the Brewers in that pitching staff over the Diamondbacks. Yeah, like I did. <laughs> like, like us. So, and um, I watched them, and I was like, wow, I forgot. Like, the Brewers really don't ha- have any star on their on their team, and like, the Diamondbacks really had. They're up and coming, but they they have actual stars. Yeah. So Corbin was a stud. Cor- Corbin, we'll we'll get to Corbin. Um, but game one. Really, the, the you know what the worst part about this entire game was? Just seeing Jordan Montgomery shove it against this lineup because the Yankees traded Montgomery f- for Harrison Bader. <laughs> and that now watching this guy just kill it for at Texas, like I'm happy for him, but it just stinks as a Yankee fan that like, why would I'm still mad about that trade. Montgomery went seven innings. He gave up six hits. He had zero earned runs. He was throwing a shutty while I was there. Five Ks, zero walks. He was awesome. Glass now, he was all over the place. He was throwing like he got hit by a ball in the calf at one point. He he looked flustered almost. I don't know what was going on, but the, he was throwing a lot of high heaters. He, he didn't look like he had his control that day. Um, from all the reviews and all like every pitch, I was actually like watching because like. I was there to watch Glass now. I really wanted to see Tyler Glass now. I wanted to see the stadium, but like Tyler Glass now was the selling point. I was like, oh, he's he's throwing, and it's a playoff mm-hmm. game. Like, but yeah, Rays lose game one for nothing. And who were the bats in that game? I'm so sorry. Seager had a oh Seager hit a missile uh, double into the center field. I thought it was gone. It was like four ten deep center and hit the wall. Like the player almost had a play on it, but uh, drilled the wall. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, game two of this series, uh, more of the same. Rangers just put up a seven spot to the Rays one. The Rays bats just went cold at the wrong time of the year. Zach Eflin was pitching for the Rays, and I think most people would have been, like myself, been very confident Eflin over Eovaldi. Um, yeah, but, but Eovaldi's great in the playoffs. He was great with it, it, him in the 18 World Series, too. And you know what? I, I I picked. I actually did pick the Rangers, which I'm. I'm that's the only one I got right, really. Uh, the the Rays just. I think their home that home like that home field advantage you're talking about, like that energy. Like, do you think that that affected it? Being yeah, in the stadium, I'll tell you, the fans that are there make it like fun. They they were doing the towel twirls. They were doing the cowbell. Like the the fans there are loyal, and that you could really tell that they are loyal fans. And like, it's tough. Like their stadium does not like yeah, it's, it's not, like blue it's... blue chipped paint everywhere. Like when you walk like the sidewalks, it's same concrete. It just looks like it was painted blue. It's like uh, chipping away. It's gross. Yeah, I'm not questioning their 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 loyalty, but it's like you looked at Philadelphia, right? Like they had and Minnesota too. They had home field advantage, especially in Philly. Like Philadelphia got loud and that rattles the other team like there's there's guys who just can't handle like play, the playoff atmosphere um and i would say for for uh the marlins that was that, that was that like braxton garrett he went like he couldn't even go like three innings he just started imploding yeah yeah and he, he no, rolled I, it like he was there was it, was it didn't seem that loud there and you were there was it that loud it, it at points they like it, they were definitely louder than what you would have expected. I'll say that for the mm-hmm. size and the amount of people. I was like, Oh, like people are getting into this. Like I got a towel. I, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I'll bring it out on next episode. So everyone can see, I think it's in the wash right now. Um, but yeah, raise their season ends early. My prediction to them going to the world series is incorrect. Now I'm an idiot. And uh, yeah, congratulations, Rangers! Um, you are continue to be a wagon, and maybe the bats, maybe they're this year's Phillies. Maybe the bats are going to get hot right now for these yeah. last few games. Who knows? Um, next series, yeah, Twins at the Blue Jays. I didn't get to watch much of this, but obviously this is huge. What was it? The Twins were was it eighteen years or their last eighteen playoff games? They haven't had a win. I've, what was? Uh, I thought it was. 18 or 19 years. Yeah, it was some ridiculous. But game one, Twins win 3 1. Um, oh, here it is. Stop. 21 Record, years. 18, 18 game postseason skid. There we go. Um, no, no, no. It was 20. Yeah, but it was 21 years. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're both right. But yeah, 21 yeah. years since it was since 2002. They, they win this game because the guy who's been bringing the, you know, the juice, yeah. not, and not in a bad way, uh, Royce Lewis, he's having... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, juice is a bad word to use. Yeah, um, I mean, well, that wasn't a bad word, but it's just like you not you didn't have to specify not in the bad way. Like I don't think anyone thought thought you were talking about steroids. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to confirm that, that I was not doing that. Sorry, Royce Lewis hits a couple. Um, you know he hits a bomb in this game, uh, and he, you know he continues to hit. It looks really good. He had two bombs in this game. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. how did I not catch that? Yeah, yeah, two um, home runs. He's like the uh, third, the third. First, uh, first year player, third rookie in uh, MLB hit play, uh, playoff history to do so. Um, so they they put up, uh, and he had all three ribbies in this game for Minnesota. So really, you know, he's their savior there. Galsman gave up three earned runs for the Blue Jays, and Pablo Lopez looked very sharp over five and two thirds. Yep. Um, the only RBI for the Blue Jays was uh, Kevin Kiermaier, my Mister Indiana. <laughs> Fort Wayne's finest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then game two, you had the Twins win 2 nothing, And the pitching here for the Twins has been great. This is awesome. Uh, and it stinks because this is another Yankee pitcher who left the Yankees and is now dealing in the playoffs. Sonny Gray, can't do it in New York, found a way to do it in Minnesota. Congratulations, Sonny. You get the bet. That was much needed. Um, <laughs> Sonny Gray, he went five innings, gave up zero runs, five hits. Huge win. Twins advance. Uh, they will be playing the Astros and the Angels. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And the Rangers will be playing the Royals, uh, the Orioles. I'm yes. tongue-tied right now. Way, so. way off. Yeah, that series is definitely uh, more interesting to me than this. I don't like the Twins. I don't like Carlos Correa. That's really where 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 it starts and ends for me. I don't like Carlos Correa. Uh, he made two good plays. I guess you could. They were good plays. He made a great throw to home in the first game that saved a run, and then the second game he had the pickoff play uh, against Flagro Jr. at second base that he apparently called on the pitch com. Which then I was confused because I was like, wait, do the shortstops have access to the pitch com, or did he make a signal? I'm assuming he made a signal to the catcher who then used the pitch com to alert Sonny Gray. Um, but I don't like Carlos Correa, so I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the Astros, uh, and then for the Rangers, Orioles. I'm I'm rooting for the Orioles. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely all in on the Orioles now. I wouldn't mind if the yeah. I want to see whoever wins the Orioles Rangers series go on to win the the AL. Yeah, um, I, I I do think. What do you think is going to happen with this Houston Minnesota series? Do you think Houston's going to handle that? Anyway, I don't see any way Minnesota wins the series, and I'd imagine the play. Like I would, I'll check the gambling odds right now for us. Um, is is Framber starting game one for Houston? It's going to be Framber or or uh, Verlander. They haven't announced the starters yet. I don't think. So they they start on Saturday. Let's see. Houston is throwing out Verlander. Oh, they didn't, they didn't announce it? Yeah, it makes sense. Well, to Verlander. The Twins didn't announce yet, but Houston did. Verlander's gone game one. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's just see the betting odds for this. Not that that matters, but... It, it, uh, Twins will be listed as plus 130 line underdogs in this matchup. That's actually not as... Uh, oh, it's just game one. Sorry. Yeah, I don't see the S. I don't see the Twins being able to to pull this one out. Look, if the Twins pull it out, then... I, I then. Good for them. I hope they, they. I hope they win the World Series. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go that far. I don't know why. I'm not a Twins guy. Um, no, I hate the Twins because I hate Carlos Correa. But if they beat the <laughs> Astros again, I don't. I like parody. I, I. I don't want the Astros to win again. Yeah. No. I, I, I like, if the Astros do win, it, this is definitely going to be it's, considered it's one being of the better. You know, better dynasties. Yeah. It, like it said it. It's not that I don't like the. It's not like I'm an Astros hater. I just like cha- I like other teams winning, unless it's the yeah. Red Sox. The Red Sox can win every year, and I'd be fine with that. But if it's not my team, then I I, would, I like seeing other teams, other teams win. I just I think it helps with with baseball fandom. I think you, you the more teams you have making deep playoff runs, the more young young kids fall in love with the game. Uh, like the Orioles right now. If the Orioles win this World Series, you imagine how many ten year olds who, who are like just falling in love with baseball right now because of this young team. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, National League though, Phillies. You want to do Phillies and Marlins first? 
Yeah. So exactly. You know, you were picking the Marlins and I, I love where your heart was at. Like I do like the Marlins. Just, I didn't have any faith in them to beat a serious team in the playoffs. And that's what Philly is. They, you know, they, they have stars, they have a ton of star power and their stars are going to come out when the time matters. And that's exactly what happened. Phillies take two games and sweep the series. Uh, game one, Phillies win 4-1. Uh, Zach Wheeler struck out eight. Castellanos uh, in this game, what did he have? I saw he had uh, – why was I watching this highlight? He had an RBI in this game. Uh, he had two hits. Solid outing for Castellanos, who was struggling a little bit at the end of the season. Yeah, he, had like two, he had like two doubles or whatever. Yeah, but at the end of the season, he was like, people were like, oh, like, do they need to move him down to the lineup and all this stuff? Yeah, and I had him in uh, the fantasy six-pack league, so I was like paying attention to Castellanos, weirdly. Um, but yeah, Phillies take game one, and then you go to game two. Sorry, just pulling this up. And Phillies went big. They went 7-1 in this. And right here in this game, Aaron Nolo in seven innings, zero earned runs, three hits. He looks spectacular. Then you have JT Ramudo and Bryson Stott doing their thing. I think does Stott have a grand slam in this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So great, you know, great for the youngster. That that lineup is so scary. What do you like? What are you scared more scared of at full capacity? The Braves or the Phillies? Let, let's just say Trey Turner's like being Trey Turner. Well, he has been since he got that standing ovation. Yeah. Which like, I which I made fun of. Um, <laughs> but Real Muto. Harper, bomb. Imagine this team had Reese Hoskins. It stinks yeah. that they don't. Oh, they have Harper at first base. Um, Harper hasn't been great, but he's. He, you just watch him. I was thinking this yesterday. It's just every time he's at bat, you're like, oh wow, this guy's just a hall. Of, he's just a hall of famer. Probably the Braves this year are just they're they're historically great, so it's tough to. Tough. It's you have to go. You have to go with the Braves, and you just have to. If you're a Phillies fan, you just have to hope that Freed is not going to come back. Help. You hate saying that, like you don't want people to come back healthy. But Freed's coming off the IL, right? So you you have to help. You have to hope he comes off and is just not is not his usual self. And Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider is close to a four year A. Um. Yeah, he again. He has great. He has crazy strikeout rate. He's got great whip, and he's he's a stud. Um, but it's his second year, right? Strider's like second full season. Yeah, correct? yeah. So yes. it's like it's it's again. They they played in the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm again. I like this. Like I said, I like parody. Uh, the Phillies were just in the World Series, though. So I guess now it's time for the Braves to kind of have. And the Phillies knocked out the Braves last year. Um. I want to see the Braves go. I, I just like I, when you have a, a, this good of a season. Uh, it's it's nice to see them see them go deep. I don't want them to win it though. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. We'll go to the Brewers, Dimebacks, and Dimebacks look fun. They look like they're going to be good for a long time. They win game one six thirty. I don't know. Oh, sorry. I just had an ad pop up. They win one. It's probably. What is going on? Sorry, uh, ESPN, know. the website with these ads. Oh my! Sorry, oh, you used ESPN for your stats. I just wanted to look real quick at the you're, box you're, score here. Poor. Um, I usually move around. Um, what do you typically use? I MLB. Use yeah, I use MLB.com for everything. Yeah, uh, Corbin uh, Burns, man. Again, like I, I picked the Brewers to go way deeper than I should have because I was like Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff are amazing. Uh, and then Woodruff was like hurt and whatever. And Qu- Burns didn't, didn't pitch great uh, in this game. He went four innings, gave him four runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. And then they just don't. Christian Yelich, it was a great bounce back season for him. Uh, but he's not he's not a star anymore. Would you call him a star? Let's see. And by the way, um, <clears throat> what I was going to say, that Woodruff stuff, they announced the shoulder injury after we had made our predictions, just to be fair to us, you know, he hit two. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Well, I, I guess I, if I knew that, I wouldn't have picked them to go. I picked them to yeah. the Dodgers, I think. So I would have definitely retreated because I think Woodruff, when he's on, 
I think he could be just as effective as Corbin Burns. You know, like I, I think they're very much one A, one B when Woodruff is on. So that's, that that's a huge factor in my decision making with the Brewers. But this year, uh, Yelich batted two eighty, had nineteen home runs, seventy six RBIs, and an eight eighteen OPS. He's not a star. But he's an above no, average player. Sorry, let me reword this. He's a star still. He's not. He's not a superstar. Like Corbin Carroll, you watch this series and you're like, oh wow, Corbin Carroll is, and everyone knew he was the real deal. I guess just playoff baseball when you're watching the games, there's so much excitement around it, um, and the crowd and everything. But Car- Carroll is is a stud. Zach Gallen, he is jumping the game too, uh, but he pitched. He didn't pitch great in the first inning. <laughs> Uh, but then he came back and he he closed out the game, got a quali- quality start, and he was able, he was able to hold them in some in some tough some tough spots. Yeah, and Peralta gave up four and runs over five in this. Not great. No, uh, again, Gallon didn't pitch like lights out. He, I think he had. Do you have the stats in front of you? I think he had like yeah, three yeah. Or four, he, he went he had six three or innings, four walks. Five he had a really bad first inning. He had three walks, four Ks, two earned runs, five hits. So he really settled down after the first inning. No, he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying he he settled down, which is which is a great trade. But it's not like I was like he he wasn't uh, like lights out or anything. Uh, it, again, I just I think it's hilarious that Evan Longoria is still on this team. Um, I crack up every every time I every time I remember that. But yeah, I I didn't expect. Didn't expect the Brewers to fall off this bad, but again, I didn't expect Brendan Woodruff to be hurt. So, if we were gambling, I would have got my money back. Not actually, but yeah. So then you have finally from the graduation of these series. So congratulations, Dimebacks! Congratulations, Phillies! Dimebacks are going to play the Dodgers, and the Phillies are playing the Braves again. Let's talk about the Dodgers Dimebacks. I think that's. I, I want the Dimebacks to win. I very much want the Dimebacks to win this series. I don't know if they're going to have the ability to do it, though. Why? I don't know why. It, it literally, it's not like the Dodgers, like I said last episode, it's not like the Dodgers pitching is all there this year. It's definitely shakier. Like, you know, they have young guys who have, look like they're going to have great careers, like the Bobby Millers and. The uh, Ryan Pepios of the world, but I don't know if I trust them in playoff series yet. But the thing is, they're not playing a veteran Diamondbacks team, and I think the Dodgers lineup is very veteran between Muncy and Betts and Martinez and Freeman, and that's the type of lineups that win playoff series. So I'm more betting on the LA bats than the anything else in the series. Yeah, Dodgers were eight and five against the Diamondbacks. Uh- this season, yeah, probably, again, I would probably go Dodgers over Diamondbacks. I had Brewers being the Dodgers, but I'm a freaking idiot, so ignore me. Uh, and then we have the Phillies Braves, which is going to probably be what is this? Do they play five or seven in the second round? Mm-hmm. How many how many games are in the series? In the second round, it's five, five. So uh, if Philly gets good pitching right away. I think they have a shot. If they're not getting good pitching, I think the Braves take this quick. You can't let the the Braves are going to hit, and the Braves pitching staff can bring it between Strider, Morton, you know, and the other guys. Their bullpen is solid. It's um, I I don't see like if unless if Nola or Wheeler get a blown up start, I think Philly's done for. Well, yes, but uh, the same. In the same token, uh, what if Freed comes out in the first game and just because Freed's supposed to start the uh, start in game two, Freed comes out in game two and just implodes. They they're doing simulated games in in uh, in Atlanta to prepare, but uh, it's a big it's a big break. Yeah. So they haven't, well, they haven't played in seven uh, six days. I don't think a simulated game really like equates. So they were they were saying it's a big deal uh, that a bunch of more fans went and watched simulated games than went and watched the Tampa Bay Rays apparently. But yeah, Phillies were eight, uh, five and eight against the Braves this season. 
but they beat them last year in the playoffs. And Philadelphia seems I, I had forgotten how how loud loud it gets there. Uh, so if we're talking about like home field advantage, uh, Phillies when 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 the Braves are in Phillies, Philadelphia it's going to be tough. But Braves have the home field advantage, and it's just as bad at Truett Field. So we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Well, um, you know, not I, not the most exciting first round, but you know, exciting for the teams that did win. Got a, you know some teams that are fun and exciting and twins obviously long overdue for a couple wins in this, you know, for a win. And, uh, it's exciting stuff for Minnesota, but we, and, uh, you know, the diamondbacks of the world. So let's see, uh, how they do in round two in the divisional series here. Outside of that, I think, uh, we're good to go for the night. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not much else really to talk about. We'll, we will uh, we'll be meeting on Sunday, right? Now, what's yeah? Actually, wait. What's your deal? I'm flying so back from New York to Indiana. I'm leaving New York at one thirty in the afternoon, so I'll be back in Indiana by five. And what time do you get home tomorrow? Uh, eight a.m. Oh, okay. Picking me up from the airport. You picking me up from LaGuardia tomorrow morning at eight a.m. No. What? I have a faculty meeting at seven a.m. Tell them we're meeting Queens. Otherwise, I would. Are we hanging out tomorrow night? Or do you have the rehearsal dinner? I'm no. The rehearsal like party was last week. I'm just going to the wedding, so I'm, I got nothing tomorrow night. Did you want to like hang out? Yeah, get pizza. If uh, maybe sneak in nine. Christopher Morley, if the weather's decent. I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll have time for it. It gets dark a little earlier now. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Wait, I have to stop this. All right. Bye. Oh, wait. Check out our uh, our giveaway for Aaron Carlson. That's going up tomorrow for her book. So that's for our Twitter followers. All right. Now, bye.